Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you, my friends, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the podcast from Sunday, October 15, and I was not here. I was actually uh, on vacation uh, out of the state, and uh, we had a guest filling the pulpit for us, who you've heard before if you've been following the, the podcast. He's one of our commissioned lay pastors here in the Presbytery of Utah. His name is Kirk Probasco. Kirk is a good friend of the congregation, a lovely human being all around, and a great um, a great person, and he is talking to us this week about John chapter 16, reminding you this is all part of the farewell discourse. This is the last 24 hours of Jesus' earthly ministry in John's gospel. And so we're going to hear Kirk talk about what's going on in John chapter 16. And I hope that it's, uh, it's one that builds you up in your faith as we journey through John together. John, uh, Pastor Draskovich. Uh, told me that you're working through these chapters in John, and um, and these these last couple of chapters that, that we're in right now are Jesus's final discourse before his execution. And during this section of John, we see Jesus developing this theme of comfort. Remember that this extended conversation started all the way back in chapter 14. With Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in God and trust in me also. And over the past several sections, expanding on this theme of comfort, he has told his disciples that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And he has promised that they would never be alone because the Holy Spirit was coming to be with them. He promised that with the Holy Spirit's help, we could live happy, joyous lives. Today we get to hear that the Holy Spirit sustains us even in the most troubled times. In this 16th chapter of John, we see that after all these words of assurance and comfort, the disciples, like the disciples always do, they still don't get it. They still don't understand what Jesus is talking about. They understand that Jesus is going away, but they don't understand the timing or how he's going to return. And despite these words of comfort that Jesus has been giving them, they remain confused and fearful about the future. Confused and fearful about the future. Does that sound familiar to anyone besides me? I think it really describes our society very well, right? Especially on a week like this when we turn on the news and we see what's going on in this world that we live in. And it's hard for us not to be confused and fearful about the future. Why? Why is this still a thing? Why does God allow this to continue? 
Why is this pain and this grief such an ongoing part of our lives? And then we look at it personally. Who hasn't been faced with some unwelcome surprise and wondered, where is God in all of this mix? You're going along and you're doing great and everything's super, and then all of a sudden something happens unexpectedly and derails everything that you've been doing. Why? I'm confused. I'm fearful. Why are you allowing this to happen? What do you mean by this? Why, why, why am I here in this situation? And that describes how the disciples are feeling right now as they're talking to Jesus. See, chapter 16, we're just a few hours before Jesus' actual execution. And he's alone with his disciples. Judas has already left the party. He's out betraying Jesus right as Jesus is speaking. And they began way back in chapter 13 in that upper room, right? And Jesus celebrated that family meal with them. And he took bread and he broke it and he took wine and he blessed it. And they shared that Passover meal together. And that's when Jesus started to teach them. And by the point that we're at now in chapter 16, they're making their way down to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus has been teaching his disciples this whole time and telling them about what's coming up. And he's preparing them for his soon coming departure. And he's already told them that he's going away. And he told them that where he is going, they cannot come, but he was going to come back. And the disciples are hearing everything that Jesus is teaching, but they're just really struggling to get it. They're struggling to grasp it all, knowing that their blessed Savior is leaving has caused their hearts to be troubled, and and I get that. I understand that. But the really cool part is Jesus is on the worst day of his life, on the night that he's going to be betrayed and arrested, and he spends his time comforting his disciples. He's preparing them, preparing them for how they will carry on the ministry after he departs. Jesus is telling the disciples they're going to soon face something they will find very difficult, something that will bring them much sorrow and will leave them with no hope and no joy. But then at the end of verse 20, we hear, we hear Jesus tell his disciples, and, and he's telling us also, You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow can be turned into joy. The disciples are about to be thrust into something that will bring their hopes to crash down around them. It will at the surface seem like everything is ending and it's all over and it will fill them with great sorrow. And then Jesus tells them that sorrow is going to turn into joy. This truth that Jesus is teaching will help his disciples in what they're getting ready to face. But we need to understand that this truth that Jesus is teaching is for every single one of us. Every believer in every time. He says, guys, you're going to be sorrowful. But your sorrow can turn into joy. Let's just, let's just think about that for a moment. Sorrow turning into joy. And we all want joyful lives. But if you're like me, you don't always get joyful lives. 
So I've been asking myself lately, how am I doing in this joy department? Am I full of joy? Am I joyful? And I invite you just to take a minute and think about that question. Because joy is a big part of the scripture we read today. He, he mentions joy in verse 20, 21, 22, again in 24. And Jesus says that he wants our joy to be made full. And in the next chapter, chapter 17, he says, So that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Full joy. Jesus doesn't want us to have quarter joy or half joy or even 75% joy. Jesus wants us to be filled to the very tip top with joy. And then Jesus gives the answer to that, that confusion. And in doing so, he helps us through our own confusion. What, here's, it's important to notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say that this spirit-filled life is going to be rainbows and unicorns all the time. He doesn't say we're going to wake up chipper and happy every single day. In fact, he says the opposite. He says, you will weep and you will grieve. Jesus doesn't, desire, doesn't promise that life will be easy, but he does promise that life can be joyful. And he promises this by saying that the advocate will come. The Greek word here is parakletos. I think I'm pronouncing that pretty close. The helper, the comforter, the advocate. He will come and he will turn our grief into joy. Jesus promises that. Look at verse 20 again. He says, grief is not replaced by joy. Grief turns into joy. And each morning when I open my eyes, the first thing I do is pinch myself and make sure that I'm really awake and I'm not dreaming. And then I thank God for giving me a second chance at life. And I make that statement because the life I live today, I certainly never planned for, nor would I have ever thought possible. But the amazing truth is, I'm pretty darn joyful most of the time. How did this happen? How did I go from that Kirk to this Kirk? And the truth is, the worst day of my life was the best thing that ever happened to me. Several years ago, my life was unmanageable. I was a mess physically, mentally, spiritually. And when anybody asked, I'd say, I'm, fi I'm fine. Really, I'm fine. I told myself that I was fine. Because I was unable to see the horrible reality for what it was. This was insanity and denial, and the power it still had over me was a direct result of my self-will and my pride. See, I still wanted to run my show. I wanted to be in control of life and pain and suffering because I wanted to, be in, I wanted to control those things and, it, and the ability to remake the world on my terms. So then I was faced with the choice to stay in self-will keep holding on to my pride, or to give it all up to God. All of it. And then I heard God's Holy Spirit speaking to me, and the Spirit said, you can't, buddy, but he can and you should let him. I can't, he can, I should let him. 
And finally, I surrendered my will and my life to God, and there was a great stillness in my mind and my soul, and I knew in deep certainty that my life was changing that moment. I could feel grief turning into joy. My problem had been miraculously transformed. The worst day of my life led me to a reliance upon God. And God sent his Holy Spirit to me and changed my life and turned my grief into joy. Our painful past may be our greatest asset and our infinite, infinite value to the people we come in contact with. Because whatever your particular pain or wound or struggle, the Spirit can transform you and it into something joyful. The Spirit takes our pain and uses it to help other people with our experience and strength and hope. The Spirit won't take away our pain and the struggle as much as He will transform it into a deeper reliance on Him. And that's how we get to live lives full of joy. The point is, to live a life God calls us to live is impossible through our efforts. No amount of self-help can enable us to do that. Because a spiritual transformation takes place in our hearts, and that only comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the only solution to a spiritual problem is a spiritual answer. And we, like everybody on the planet, are going to hurt. And we're going to weep because of loss, and we're going to mourn over sadness, and we're going to grieve over our guilt, and that is a common experience we share with everyone. Weeping, mourning, and grieving. But is there more? It's not really a question of whether I have pain or what's causing my grief, because those are given. The real question is, what do I do with that? And we live in a world that is filled with human misery and corruption and suffering. And we see on the news those little kids waking up to the sound of gunfire and bombs. Jesus was speaking first and foremost to that pain in our lives. The pain of God's people just as he does today. He says, I tell you the truth, it is your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away. I'm skipping back a little bit in chapter in John, where we didn't read this morning, but I'm just catching you up here. (laughs) Jesus tells us, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and you will weep and mourn, but your pain will be turned into joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come, but when her child is born, she no longer remembers the anguish because the joy of having brought a human being into the world. So you have pain now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one can take that joy away from you. Amen. Jesus tells his disciples that the advocate, a friend, is coming and giving hope to the hopeless. Jesus gives hope to those who are living in poverty and have no food to eat. He's pronouncing hope upon those whose eyes are red from tears and their faces swollen. The Spirit gives hope to people who are crushed under the weight of the oppressors. The Spirit 
promises that joy is possible for the single mother working extra shifts just to buy clothes for them little babies to get them to school. The Spirit promises joy is possible to the addict who's dope sick and laying on the bathroom floor crying all night. The Spirit promises joy is possible for that old man living in that big house all alone, looking out the window to see if anybody's coming to visit. The Spirit even promises joy to that family who's sitting in that hospital waiting room waiting for those doctors to come with their grim faces and tell them the bad news. Because everywhere there is heartache, the tears are and tears, the Spirit is God is there to bless us in that moment. We believe in a God that loves us enough to become flesh and then loved us even more to send His Spirit to be with us in our worst situations. On this day of pain and grief in Jesus' life, on that day when one of his best buddies was going to betray him, Jesus turns grief into joy by taking on the pain of the cross and turning that into our joy. And this joy which Jesus is talking about is not some pie in the sky when we all get to heaven kind of thing. It's a joy which is here right now. It's not something into which we hope someday to enter. It's something that we already are. You see, the blessedness that Jesus is speaking of is all wrapped up in God's Holy Spirit, which lives and dwells inside of each one of us. Everywhere there is heartache and tears, the Spirit is ready to turn that grief into joy. And as we live in the Spirit, so are we blessed. Not because of our circumstances, not because what we have done in terms of earthly possessions, but because the Spirit of joy lives in us. That Spirit brings hope to those who are dejected and grieving and scared by the harsh realities of this world. The Spirit gives a courage to live the promise that God is in fact with us, Emmanuel. In faith, we allow God to move from the places where we're stuck and where we're scared into God's picture of wholeness with the Spirit walking by our sides. Discipleship is not about doing, it's about being. We're not human doers, we're human beings in communion with God's Spirit. The Spirit embodies the great compassion that God has showed His people from the very beginning and calls us to pursue this kind of care for all of God's creation. And compassion is a lot more than just being nice to each other. The Spirit shows that we are all children of God, broken and flawed and beautiful children of God. The Spirit gives us the audacity to hope that words like mercy and peace and love will someday describe even this world we live in. It'll describe even the Middle East that we see on the TV. And it's our job, this is our job, to every day take steps forward, little by little, to work for that vision. Friends, we get a glimpse of the kind of world that Jesus was talking about, the world the way God sees the world. And once we see that vision, how are we not going to want to be part of it? 
This is why we get up on Sunday mornings and put on a tie and comb our beards. So that we can see a vision of the world the way God already sees the world. And when we do the world that we say, or the words that we say and the things that we do, our very lives and beings become part of that picture. We will become living depictions of what the Spirit's presence in the world looks like. We get to become light and love to the people around us. And that's a life that can truly be described as joyful. Not because of things we do, but because we've humbled ourselves enough to follow the one who lives within us and wants to bless us. Amen. Well, my friends, thanks for joining us for this time here at First Presbyterian Church. If you're ever around on Sunday morning, 10 a.m., we'd love to have you join us. Uh, We're here at 880 28th Street. And uh, you can always watch the whole service on our YouTube channel. So you just go to YouTube and search First Presbyterian Church Ogden. You can find us there. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy the worship, the ministry here, encourage you to support us financially go to our website and do that that's probably the easiest way just www.fpcogden.org well thank you and we'll see you back here next week as we get into john chapter 17